0: Welcome to My Camino, the podcast. It's great to have your company. I'm Dan Mullins, working out of a small studio in Sydney, Australia, wishing I was back on the Camino de Santiago, the way of St. James. It's a mystical and spiritual path across many routes, finishing in the Gothic city of Santiago de Compostela, where, we're told, the remains of Christ's Apostle St. James are interred. I knelt before them on my 50th birthday, having walked halfway across Spain, and it changed my life forever. Each week I talk to another pilgrim who has visited the Camino, their story, their philosophy, their motivation, the impact of their way on their lives, what they could have done differently or or perhaps they'd wished they'd left behind. This week, it's totally left field. My guest is Mick McQueen, and he hasn't walked the Camino de Santiago, but he's about to. And it's a great yarn from both Mick's perspective and those of us who have walked, as we know what's in store for someone like Mick. Not only the physical challenge, but walking with the weight of the legacy he carries. And it's quite the yarn. Mick McQueen, welcome. Yeah, thanks very much, Dan. Glad to be here. You're heading off in just a matter of days, and you're carrying with you an honour roll of fallen Australian soldiers. Before we talk about the role of honour, which is why I'm speaking to you, tell us about your service first. Where did you serve and when?
1: Okay, uh, for a start, um, it's quite different, actually, as I say, bizarre speaking someone who hasn't done the command. Uh, it's also bizarre because I come from a select uh, group of people who are called the, the in-betweeners, right? Now, this is like one of those... Um, secret uh, old lady rituals where no one talks about the in-betweeners are the people that uh, joined the army between, uh, Vietnam and, uh, let's say Somalia, uh, onwards to Afghanistan. So we basically did our 20 to 30 years and fortunately, uh, there was, uh, we, we uh, were we at situations where we we're, uh, on 30 minutes notice to move to go and help out things like Bougainville and lots of other places, um. However, it didn't eventuate and uh, we basically did all that time and uh, never got to, um, apart from our um, active service in uh, Malaysia, we, we missed the boat, and uh, I dare say to a lot of people it's very frustrating. Um, to a lot of people it's very stressful. A lot of people um, uh, disappointed, embarrassed, um, uh, and worse, and I think a lot of the post-traumatic stressors got the fact that they were prepared to do so much over so many years. Unfortunately, you know, they never got a chance. And These are the people you see missing on Anzac Day, the people that did the 20, 30 years, not the people that did four or five years, joined up, and they got a gig in Afghanistan or Somalia or Timor, um, and, and my heart goes out to them. So I'm a little bit more open than that, and um, I, I'm prepared to say that it, during that 30 years I was prepared To go and do what my country wanted me to do. You know, at at any time, I was prepared. I signed on the dotted line, I signed my life away, and it didn't happen. But at the same time, it's taken me time to deal with it. But, um, you know, I'm quite happy with the fact that at any time, I was prepared to go and do what my country wanted me to do. Um, Unlike a lot of people, um, as we say, it's a very, very quiet word. Um, Nobody talked about a mob called the In-Betweeners. You know, you have the Vietnam veterans, you have the In-Betweeners, and then you obviously have, um, you know, the rest of the people, are, you know, Somalia, team are yeah.
0: obviously the Sandhead. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'd never, ever thought of that. I suppose that's a generation there where Australia uh, enjoyed the fact that we weren't engaged in fields of war. But were you inspired to sign up initially? Was there a history of military service in your family?
1: Um, I come from the country, a place called Gowalanyu, and um, I, uh, I had to go to um, uh, boarding school. So um, I went to boarding school in the early 70s, very, very early 70s, 71, 72. Unfortunately, I was uh, I was mixed up with the abuse that happened at uh, Northern, uh, the Northern uh, College, the hostel there, because I, I come from quite a religious family, and I was a religious person. And um, although I was of uh, a stronger mentality, I, I basically had to submit to save my brother, who, you know, who's a lot weaker, naive. And um, to protect him, I had to, um, you know, sort of throw myself, I guess, to the wolves of this um, this horrible pedophile name, R.L. Wenlock. And it's a little secret that I've kept with myself all my life. None of my friends know about it. And I just thought, last night, but today, just everything's on the table, you know, I'm, I'm not going to keep anything hidden anymore, and um, I was just talking to my friend uh, Jose Pina, who's, this is doing his fourth one uh, with me, and I said to, I spoke to him about the motivation, I told him about the abuse, and, and a lot of other things, and my, um, you know, watching him do the Camino, and suddenly it was like, something grabbed me. Something grabbed me, and uh, I can't believe it. I, I'm a very, very strong person, but I get very, very emotional when I start talking about the Camino. Now, as soon as I see the film or the people walking it, the people going, uh, I don't know. I just um, it's it's very, very emotional. And apparently, Jose said to me it was the Camino calling me.
0: Wow, Mick. Mick, 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 that is the most extraordinary thing. I've been in broadcasting a long, long time and I've never heard anybody say anything like that. So let's talk it let's talk it through. If you've decided to open up about it, then this is a very, very good thing. Are you talking about the Camino? Yes, the Camino is calling you. There's absolutely no question about that and once you step foot on the way and it will always call you back whether you finish it or not. There's absolutely no question about that, but here today you've decided to unburden something that you've carried with you for all of your life. That's did, right. Did you just do you feel now you've you've set a part of you free?
1: Well, I thought about it last night, and I thought, well, I want to free myself, right? And uh, I wanted to get rid of all the bad things that have happened in my life. And I wanted to, if I was going to have a clean slate that I couldn't carry anything with me, then I had to be open about everything, you know? A lot of people don't know that also, um, along with all this, uh, I was involved in an AFP, a federal police investigation and uh, raid in 1994. And uh, I had to take a young man's life. And um, basically, I've had to keep that with me, the actual circumstances surrounding the raid with me too, so it's all these things that I've I've had to keep bottled up and bottled up, and I thought I need a release. And, and when I saw the Camino, I, I don't know, but something said to me, "There's a chance of salvation." And at the same time, you know, you never went to Afghanistan, you know, you never went to Timor, you know, you never went to Somalia, you know, all that bullshit. You didn't go, but you can honour them. You can honour them. You can honour those people that went there and died, right? You can show them that okay. You weren't a disgruntled in betweener. You were someone to say, "Right, you know what? I'm going to. You know, I, I missed out, but I was prepared to do my duty, and I'm going to honour these people." And, and and it just started to feel better and better. I felt like I had a purpose in life. I was wondering aimlessly. I had all this abuse. So I had this, you know, problems uh, with the death of a young soldier. You know, he was actually a young soldier I killed, right?
0: He was one of my own
1: soldiers, right? But unfortunately, he's not he, right? And um, I, I need, I, I want, it's like, a, I want a rebirth after this. I want to finish that Camino and say, guess what? You know, that's it. You know, it's put it all to rest. And then I said to Jose, I want to come back and do another Camino, but I want to come back and do a Camino as a free spiritual person with uh, no hang-ups, uh, you know, like I've, 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 I've been to confession, I've told all my sins, and I want to be cleansed of anything I've done good or bad in my life and um, uh, I see the Camino as uh, and as an instrument for me and to find my religion again well, I was an altar boy when I was a young yeah. and um, I want to find my religion I want to find my third person I want to be a better person you know what I mean and I think because of all these um, all this baggage I, I think I could have been a better person. Um, and I want to be, and, and I, you know, and I think the Camino and, and I was speaking to my friend Jay saying, why, what is it? Every time I even, I can't even say the word. Yeah.
0: Mick, Mick, I, I hope through the course of our discussion that you have a sense of unburdening and this is the very beginning and I know you've just been talking to your mentor, Jose, and He's done four Caminos, and 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 this through our discussion we can unburden you, and and you can get a sense of cleansing before you go on your walk. Um, I want to go back, if I may, in the course of our hour of discussion about what happened to you as a child, and indeed what happened to you when you took the life of that young young man. But first, I want to say to you that it must be very difficult at one stage to be in the military, where everything and everyone is very disciplined to later find yourself in the free world uh, as a civilian, mixing with people with, I suppose, little or no discipline. How, how did you transition out of the, the military? And and how did your family cope with it?
1: Um, basically, and, and I'll probably speak for most people, because leading such a long time a disciplined life, and suddenly we, we go to work and, and we, 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 we see things Everything is in black and white to us. We don't see a phase of colours. Um, most most soldiers that get out, you would say, are right wing, liberal. Right. Um, basically, uh, we are not racists in the army. You, you, you're um, you're working with Aboriginal soldiers as the Islanders. People of all mixed nationalities, and, and because you're working as a team, you know, you don't even, you're sort of shielded from what goes on out in the world with, you know, all the racism and everything that goes on in that. Because in the hour, we, we don't even see it. We thought, what are they going on about? I suppose we get a bit cranky because we, you know, we're very tolerant, really. Yeah. You know, our soldiers, and we yeah. really have to be. And we're, a lot of deployments I've done all over around the world, you know, you know, on the peacetime side of it, you meet, you know, we met people from all over different walks of race. And I mean, I, I look at, what goes on now, and I think, well, what is going on? I mean, we've got out of the army, we've gone to joined, We find the people aren't as disciplined. If we're told to do something at work, we do it, and then you've got people slackening, and 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 it really disappoints. I suppose in some cases, we we also can draw the ire of our bosses. And I went through a period where I couldn't keep a job for twelve months, and I didn't know why. And in the end, it wasn't me being sacked. I just kept leaving I just couldn't couldn't find that boss eventually I found this bloke um over the back of um uh Belmont and um he was the same age as me and um he was just terrific and he um he looked after me and then I looked after him and I I mean I stayed there for quite a while but um yeah again I mean working on I did fly and fly out uh, on the mines driving um, powertrains trains, you know, I've done all the, the quad road trains between Telfer and Port Hedland. You know, that's like 906 kilometres a day. Wow, um, right? You know, 15. No, yeah, back and back and um, I, I did that. I eventually draw myself to road trains. so guess what? There was only me in the train. There was no. I didn't have to work with anyone else because once you've worked with once you've worked with army people, your people that watching your six people that you trust. It's very hard to trust. I think that's the biggest problem with our, our transition is, is, is gaining trust of people because I don't know if there's, if it's the level of respect or whatever, but I, fo- I found it very, very hard to, to trust anyone. You know, I just looked at them and thought, no, you know what I mean? Um, that was probably not a good thing. Yeah. But you know, you know the biggest thing about getting out of the Army is this, right? When you join the Army, especially if you're like me and you spend your career in infantry... They train you, and they are brilliant. It's mind control. You know, like, let's not go too stupid on it, mind control, but that's what it is, right? They want to train you so that you... It's all about instant obedience. When you see people on a, on a drill parade and they're marching, you realise all that is is, is 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 instilling instant obedience, you know, by numbers, left turn, one. Everybody does it. So every time you say something, a movement is carried out on that drill patch, and that's obedience. That's in war when I'm saying to my my section on my right, you know, to my rifle group, go. Now, there's rounds coming down range, right? They're going, and they'll go because I've given them an order, Yeah. just like on a drill patch, right? Um, And this, this is the trouble, though. You know, you finally decide to get out of the Army, and it's like a great big vacuum, right? It's the pressure cooker at the top. There's no release valve, right? And you're brought to a stage of hyper vigilance. That's why you see a lot of army people walk down the road, and there's a a, a noise or something. Not even a, you know, like a backfire, like a weapon, but just a loud noise, something, And all of a sudden, you'll see the aggressiveness. I can't help it. You just get really aggressive. If you get shocked, you get aggressive, because that's how you train. When something happens, yeah, it's yeah. instantly aggressive, and away you go through. Now, what the army and they—they're they're finally starting to get hold of the same. Well, we, we need to take the pressure off these guys. We can't just let them out into the, into the civilian population with all this stuff that we, we've trained to kill. We've trained them to a high level, and we just let them go. There needs to be a release valve. Let's we'll bring them down and bring them down, and, and and you know what I mean. And then when they're right psychologically, let's let them out into the, um, you know, out into the population. Let's teach them how how to. Um, you know, how, how to um, mix mix with our people, you know, civilians and all that stuff, you know, you'll, you'll find that. I've thought, you know, I've been around and I've really been looking closely at all my friends. Why all of a sudden do you see a bunch of these people running around on Harley-Davidson motorbikes with long hair and earrings and, and wearing the sort of leathers that they look like bikies, but they're not bikies, but they're a gang. It's a club. So what they've done is got out of the army and gravitated back into... Unit again, yeah, you know. I look yeah. at this, and I thought, Well, this is not for me because I was the only one riding a bike back in those days, right? <laughs> and none of them, that's why they're all falling off because they have had no practice. <laughs> but uh, It's just amazing, isn't it? But uh, I, I saw that I saw the correlation between getting out and joining motorcycle clubs. Some actually join outlaw motorcycle gangs for the discipline, they're highly disciplined. Actually, you'd be surprised how disciplined yeah. the biker gangs are. But I found them all joining together, and they're calling themselves either the Patriots or uh, the Grunts Motorcycle Club or whatever, and they all wear their, you know, like, colours and um, uh, basically their ribbons and uh, all the mementos where they're... I was a paratrooper myself, and I'd wear wings or something like that. But, yeah, and I thought, well, okay, if if that's working, you know, but there's a hell of a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes, things like Overwatch and RUOK systems. We're going to check up our mates because... I mean, we've lost what, three or four in the last two
0: weeks? Uh, people are just dying, left, right, and center yeah, suicide. That's right. No, it's, and, um, it's the silent epi- epidemic at the moment. It is a critical, critical issue, Mick, and it's people like you who have come back harboring, harboring a great deal of hurt uh, and that they feel they just cannot carry it any longer. And that's why it's so critical that you and I are having this discussion today and that you have, in just a few short weeks' time, an opportunity to walk. Just last week, I spoke to an American vet, Brad Gerino, and he is taking veterans on the Camino as a means to get over their post-traumatic stress disorder. He's actually set up an organization in the States where... Because a lot of these kids, they come home, they don't have any money. They they, they can't imagine going to walk for f- five weeks in Spain. So he does it all for them. His organisation does, does it all for them.
1: You wouldn't believe that I was speaking to Jose before uh, I spoke to you this morning. And I said to him, you know what, it's just Camino. You know, I, I'm really looking at myself and I, I'm really I'm writing down everything. I see a psychologist, so he's a Camino up here. And she wants me to write down everything. And I write down, and now it's become second nature. I write down all my feelings, what I'm feeling and everything. And um, I said to her, you know, I'm going to, at the end of this, if, if this fixes me, if this gives me a purpose, and I know it has, it's given me something to look forward to, and it's yes, not expensive.
0: To, yeah. You
1: know, what What if I was to take four or five veterans from Australia that are, we know who the suicide ones are, don't worry. Don't worry about the veteran affairs. You ask us, Will, I could give you a list of names and I'll just wait. And when it happens, there's not too many surprises, believe it or not, Dan. You know, so I'll go, oh, I was expecting that. And I thought, why don't these buggers do something about it? So I thought, well, you know what? I'm retired. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fix myself and I'm going to fix other people up, right? And I've got a great little bloke named Jose who's Spanish, which is all you need. And if I get, I'm going to walk in the door and say, give me some money. And, uh, and I'm going to take a few blokes with me. I'll pick them, right, because I know who they are. Yeah. You know, the people that go off for a walk, maybe they um, they discover themselves again. Maybe, like me, you know, they'll find a purpose in life. Maybe, you know, there's things that they've done that in an act of war that, you know, they're yeah. very hard to live yeah. with. Maybe it's time to yeah. throw that rock on the pile and say, right, oh that's it, you know? Yeah, fa- and, fantastic. And, and who, who, be- who, who better than another former soldier, right, who they trust,
0: Sit by you and give him a pat on the back. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. Um, I do know what you mean, and you can count on me for all the support you need because I think that that is a very tangible and attainable goal for you to keep. And when you get to Santiago, to keep in the back of your mind or keep in your heart while you walk the Camino, Mick. That is real. Oh, that is true. that is real purpose and a real tangible goal. Um, the, the the walk itself will be goal enough for you but then yeah, to have um, something else at the end of it to motivate you will be even more special, I can assure you. You're walking, as I well, said, at, at the intro. Sorry, Mick, you're gone.
1: Yeah, is, no, going, I was just going to say that uh, just in relation to the, the purpose, now here I was sitting at a computer every day doing nothing, and um, when I got the call, well, really was the call of a Camino, and all of a sudden, you know, what did I do today? After I did I did eight kilometers. What did this I did eight kilometers. We did on the weekend, thirty four degrees Celsius. I did a twenty kilometer walk. This is after three back operations just recently. And and now I'm feeling feeling better. I'm feeling fitter. I'm eating wisely and it's just so many benefits. Yeah. And it's because <laughs> this has given me a purpose in life. Yeah, fantastic. And I, I did, is- uh, just just I can't describe it.
0: Let's talk about the honor roll. You're walking carrying the role of honour, yeah. detailing the 41 young Australians who died on active service in Afghanistan. Did you know any of them personally, Mick?
1: Yeah, there there is a couple. I really don't want to go into who they are, right? Yeah. But yes, you know, it's just like, you know, when the Black hole went down, we all knew lots yeah. of people we served, you know? I mean, like even bought a boat off one of them that died. Um, But, you know, it, yeah, I suppose when it comes to names, we don't name names, no, no, you know? No, no. Um, I-
0: I wasn't going there to, there uh, is
1: one. There, there, there is one particular soldier uh, to not only but just everyone reveres, right? And um, along the way on the Camino, I'm going to I'm going to do a little videos. So I'm going to do 41 videos, right? Small two minutes. I'm going to speak about each one, and each day on that day, I'm going to dedicate that day to him, right? Okay. And um, at the end of, I, basically, what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk that day for that particular person. So that'll be 41 two minutes. I'm going to do that. So it's not just a war. These people are not. These are real people that died from all different units and different circumstances, right? So to me, you know, it's all these little things that I keep coming up with to honour these people. I want I want to make sure that I do it right. And, I mean, you could say at times you get a little bit worried thinking, shit, you know, I know I'll finish it. If I'm there two years doing the Camino, I'll still finish it if I have to crawl. Yeah,
0: you, um, will. you will. You'll
1: finish I will. it. I will. I will. You'll finish it. Um, I, 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 I will. I mean, I'm... Feeling really fit at the moment. I went and saw my surgeon yesterday, and he just can't believe uh, I've lost eight kilos already since then. And um, he can't believe how fit I am. And we had a you know good talk. He's he's he, he the doctor Dr. Brad Salmon. He he heard about the role of honour, and I'll just be that in a second. And I spoke, I think, their office on a Tuesday. Wednesday, I went in for a scan, and he saw me the following day at twelve thirty-two hours later, because he heard about the. Uh, the role of honour, what I was doing, and he wanted to get me up and running. And uh, the following week, I went in for surgery. How quick's that? Now, this is talking about specialists where you'd wait months and months just to see one.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: so, yeah, so Dr. Brad Salvin, I mean, he was just brilliant. But as for the role of honour, you know, Brian Freeman was an 8-9 RAR soldier, and uh, I played football against him in the good old 70s where we used to flog him. And um, he uh, he has a company called Norgay Freeman. You probably probably heard the word Norgay Freeman. You know, Tenzing Norgay, who was uh, the guy that I reckon had three lungs, the Sherpa, yeah, yeah. did Mount Everest that many times. Yeah, well, he his walk. son, actually. Yeah. That's yeah. right. And yeah. uh, well, basically, his son's company and um, and um, Brian Freeman joined together. They call it Norgay Freeman, and they do all the venture, um, adventure walks. He basically does guided tours on the Kokoda truck. And I think anybody who's done the Kokoda truck is someone with Brian. And Brian being the architect of this whole idea. Well, so you know what? Let's, let's, I'm going to honour these people with this book. And he started a, um, a charity, which is a uh, uh, charity that was close to his heart, right? Basically, it's, it's one of the non taxable ones. There was a little bit of a thing going on about whether it was tax or not tax. It's non tax, so if you donate, you just donate. But basically, um, he decided that in the year of the centenary, that he would like to honour these people on a cylinder, just like a flask was made up. And 41 poppies could fit in there with a list. There's a list of all the people had uh, fallen on it. And he would take this to 41 prominent locations around the world. And I, and I was watching this at the same time as watching the Camino. And and uh, then I saw Mel Cockbrook do the English Channel. So, And then the run down south. So I basically, we're all aware of where it's going. And I thought, well, the Camino came first, right? And it's just something I think. And then I thought, you know what? This, what you know, this would be fantastic. And I spoke to Brian. I said, Brian, I says I want to carry the Roll of Honour. I want to carry 890 kilometres through Spain. And he just sort of nicked that would be fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He me yeah. And and, and when he, it's, I was just so thrilled. You know, this to me, it's a great honour. It's a great honour just to carry it. And um, there's lots of rules. There's also lots of rules for the Roll of Honour. You know, come from the Australian War Museum, General Colescroft, uh gave permission for it to be done and uh you know if i lost it i wouldn't come back to australia <laughs> i do a Julian in the sands in the embassy in, in britain i tell you i wouldn't come back home <laughs> um but-, but yeah so um we have to be very careful with it um but yeah i mean that role of honor you know it's still going to the great wall of china there's lots of other places yeah. it's going to yeah and um just i think it's just fantastic i mean i'm taking it down to swanbourne on sunday Correction on uh, Anzac Day, and this will be the first time that probably the, some of the families will be there because they're not all SAS um, people that died, and it'll be great for them to handle it. And they're the only people allowed to handle it. There's no real civilians allowed to handle this um, roll of honour, so they'll be able to handle it, take get a few pictures with it, you know, and then their names that are on it and that. So that'll be pretty good. I'll be handing it over to them, and I'll just be stepping in the background. To me, it's got nothing to do with. It's mine. It's I'm just escorting it. Yeah. I'll yeah. go down there. I'll go to one of the families, and I'll say, right. I'll get it off you at the end, and uh, I won't drink or anything. I'll just take it straight home. You know, that's all I want to do is take it there um, to the service by the rock. They've got a big rock just on the front gate, and it's got a list of all the people who have died in training and uh, war. SAS people yeah. onto the unit. And we have, it's, it's a very solemn service before the main service, and um, I'll be bringing the role of
0: honour for that one. Uh, so, yeah, I just want to day. tell our oh, – that is a big day, Mick. I just want to tell our listeners, because we do have a lot of listeners around the world, if you're not familiar with Anzac Day, it's the Australian equivalent of Memorial Day in the US or Remembrance Day in the UK. So, Mick, will take the role of honour to the SAS Barracks in Swanbourne in Perth in Western Australia – And in the centenary of the Anzacs, and the Anzacs is a celebration uh, here in Australia and in New Zealand of the role our young men played in World War I. And the Roll of Honour is being escorted to 41 prominent places and events around the world, laying 41 poppies at each location. And to date, the Roll of Honour has, with the architect of the event, Brian Freeman, it's been up to the top of Mount Everest. It's run from the tip of Cape York to the southernmost part of Tasmania, it was in, even kayaked across Bass Strait. It's crossed the Kokoda Trail in Papua New Guinea, submitted Mount Kilimanjaro in Africa. It sailed the Sydney to Hobart, the iconic yacht race. And after attending the Players' Championship at TPC Sawgrass in Florida, can you believe this, where a high-profile golfer will escort the role of honour, Mick leaves New York City and travels to Spain on the 18th of May. So let's get to the Camino, Mick. You start at Saint Jean Peterport, May twenty, and you say That's you've been, right, yeah. say you've been training a couple of eight hours here and eight hours there. Are you going to walk alone?
1: Uh, I, I am going to walk alone. Yes, uh, in a true tradition, I, I will meet up with people, obviously, along the way. Um, I've said it so I'm not walking with the same group. I mean, they'll keep going. I mean, I'm actually a pretty quick walker, so I'll be moving amongst people and I'll be having a lay day uh, here and there. I didn't know exactly how long it would take me and I could do it a lot quicker, so I'm actually going to spend a, a, probably four or five lay days in the major cities so I can actually uh, respect and study the architecture in those beautiful Spanish uh, cathedrals and towns oh. Uh to actually, uh, yeah, I think I think it would be disservice to race through the place and disservice to the role of honour. I'll bring the role of honour, and um, basically a lot of people know I'm carrying it. And uh, I, I will carry it with a lot of pride. Um, it, um, it, it, I know it's a long way. I have no absolutely no thought whatsoever that I won't be able to do it. And um, I, I've got a planned route, thank, thank, thanks to Mr Jose Piner. I've got all the gear. I actually just come home from buying some more gear. So I mean, I've done this. This I've I've, I've funded this all myself. I haven't haven't raised to anyone. And said, oh look, can you lend me some money or go fund me? I, I, this has cost me quite a bit of money. But you know what? What is money? It's nothing. It's a material thing. My, my brother would be proud of me saying that, being a real lefty. But you know what? It, what it, what it, what is money? What what's money mean to those people? That uh, you know that are not with us anymore. Those people would love to be with us now, you know, enjoying all the things that me and you were doing, but they can't, you know. They they went off to war, they did what they were told and they they paid the ultimate sacrifice. You know, gee, what I'm doing is very, very little. Yeah. It's very, very little.
0: You know? Yeah. And, and from the from the Camino, the Honour Roll continues its journey to the South Pole, the English Channel, and the battle sites of many of yeah. our, our Australian soldiers through all theatres of war. What are your plans once you get to Santiago, Mick? Are you going to continue on to Finisterre? I
1: um yes. After I'm, I'm taking the uh, the Roll of Honour into the main cathedral there
0: in Santiago. I'm uh, going to have yeah. it blessed. Yeah.
1: yeah. In Santiago, we'll be blessed, and the poppies will be blessed. Um, I've got a person in Finistere who's making up a phone capsule for me. And I've got all the names uh, on uh, Tape, which are going to be placed on each of the poppy. Uh, the poppies were supplied by Jim Ford. He's the president of uh, Legacy in West Australia. And he's donated me two sets of poppies because uh, I've got another set I want to drop off in um, at TPC Sawgrass. But uh, basically we'll be going on to Finistere and um, I'm having it properly uh, professionally videotaped. The uh, the laying of the poppy ceremony, and um, I don't know why, but I've come up with a setting, a twilight setting, in the water on a foam capsule, and I'm going to even um, even have it to the music, at conquest of paradise. Uh, oh, god! Ask me why. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna that's gonna.
0: Boy. Yeah. Holy smokes! Yep. Listen, look, Mick, yeah. Listen, Mick. That is.
1: I'll send you. I'll send. You, I'll send you a coffee mate.
0: Oh yeah, I'll be watching that. Don't worry about that. Yeah. So, um, so, so you you said you had two sets of poppy. Just tell my listeners what form are they? Are they? Are they? Can't be actual flowers.
1: Yeah, they're they're a little red flower, right? Okay. You you you've seen the poppies. Obviously, you see people put them on, uh, you know, the honor boards around the world, the Australian yeah. War Memorial, so those sort of that, things. So they're, yeah, they're, they're, they're a little poppy. Yeah, yeah. and it's just, it, it always signified ever since you know, like World War One, which is, yeah. you know the. Obviously, the horrible things that happened over there, and all the deaths, and there was never any remains. All you could do was drop a poppy, you know, because you just didn't see the people, right? Yeah, there had to be something to remember by. So, basically, a poppy was a poppy for the fallen. Yeah, and it's just something we've we've always always done. And um, each poppy always re- represents uh, one of our fallen. And probably the only difference being this time, it's not like the unknown soldier; they all have a name on it, right? and uh, it be interesting to see where that phone cash ends
0: up, actually. Yeah, it, it but, will be. Uh, and, and Mick, you, um, s- you say you hope to meet on the Camino. You hope to meet and enjoy the company of people from all countries and walks of life to assist in making this a memorable journey for the departed. I had written here for this interview as a 30-year-old infantry veteran getting a bit soft in his old age.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I suppose so. I mean, things have changed in me since I, I made the decision to do this. I, I for the better, and um, I, I'm feeling a lot better with my myself in life. You know, I was, I, I've been there to the dark edges, you know, with all the things that have happened. Saying, do I really want to, you know, do I really want to put up with all this shit? But you know what, you know, at the end of the day, there's people, there's people that get hurt. You know, if you if you were to go and commit suicide or or, or end it all, you know, with when you consider about all the abuse and things that have happened to me in my life, you know you could probably say, "Well, you know, poor bugger, he's at peace now." People always say that, don't He's at peace now. But uh, I mean, I might be a bit cynical. I get a bit angry when I when I see the people suiciding. When people let them? But you know, there's other people around them that suffer. Yes, suffer worse.
0: Very, you know, mu- very much so. It. Yes,
1: and uh, you know, people. My mates all know how I feel about it, and, and I'm saying, thank you bloody do? I get angry. And yet I have been myself the edge where. I said no, no there's no way. You know, I wouldn't do it. The fact that I've got so many people and family and that that would be affected. So no, no. And there's a better way. The way of St. James is is, is fix me. He's given me purpose in life again. You know what I mean? Um, I it's it's it is it's, it's saved my life. I think. And um, and if I can actually save one life, if I can, after this finishes, if I can do something to save one veteran, I'll have I'll have done what I I really want to do in life.
0: And would that bring you peace? Then would yes. that bring you peace?
1: I think I think closure is another word for it. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I think you know I keep looking at the highest point where they got this rock pile, right? Yeah. And yeah. Um, you won't believe this, but um, I, I got hit by a rock up on uh, about 1978. It was. I was 77. It was an exercise up like the biggest exercise we've had in Showalter uh, Bay. I always believe a rock fell out of an aircraft, right? It hit me on the head, right? And I picked it up, right? <laughs> and I've carried it. I carried it in my basic pouch, and I've had it with me for so long time. that? You're joking. <laughs> guess, I, I, guess, I, guess where that rock's going. I reckon that bugger, I reckon I one reckon <laughs> of the guys saw me down there and dropped the rock on the air, no. <laughs> I reckon joking. they did it. There's no way. Either that or it was sitting in the aircraft, you know, you jump in fully packed in you know when you're doing your training and it might have fallen out but I, I reckon i know someone's in the haircut i reckon he dogged it at me and uh, and that's the worst thing that's about me like guess what i'm getting rid of that rock and that so, rock's going on that pile
0: that's <laughs> called the cruise de ferro and when, well, when, when i stumbled <laughs> on that crucifix as i came around the corner i burst into tears like a little like a six-year-old schoolgirl. i just absolutely okay. lost the plot Um, i couldn't i could not control it i hadn't cried i can't begin to tell you how long since i'd cried and there was a a a young northern irish girl named claire sitting in the in the shade cooling off i was still about 300 yards from the crucifix and I, i looked up i was bawling sobbing and she said are you okay and i said yes yes actually i'm fantastic uh, and and on I I'm, on I walked, and I I can tell you one of the great things about my Camino, Mick, and and it's the very first podcast in my series. And if you if you're somebody who does drive, you can have a listen to it. Uh, it. It was about leaving all of it behind, and but in order to do that, I had to live through it. I I couldn't just arrive and say, "Well, that's all left behind now." I had to go through everything that was in my emotional baggage before I could leave it behind. And that was really a challenge for me. And so it will be for you. And you know, I, um, I, I just can I just finish by saying, Mick, I, I, I yeah. want to get back to what you started talking about at the very beginning of the podcast. And that was two significant yeah. life events. One when you were very young, when you yep. went through horrific abuse. And then later, right. and later, as part of an Australian Defence Force investigation, you 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 took a young man's life. Now, That's right. now, significantly, the first incident, you said you did so to protect your brother.
1: Well, see, back then we had some ridiculous laws where. A child. You could only get charged with molesting a child if they were under fourteen years of age, right? And um, while I was at the uh, at Northern College, I was at uh, at St Christopher's Hostel because with my brother, who's a, exactly a year younger than me, born on the same day, May the second, and he wasn't quite fourteen, and I was fifteen, and everyone's getting abused, and he had that beautiful blonde hair, and I knew what was happening, right? And um, the warden there. Uh, R.L. Wenlock, he uh, he used to take the kids up the back. He had a flat up the back and he used to wrestle with them. And he took me up the back and wrestled And when uh, the hanky-tanky started, I was strong and I said, No, 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 no. And he said, And of course, the man got angry and threatened that my young brother would be molested, right? But he would let him go if, you know what I mean? I submitted. And then he sent me back. And the next day, he for the three days in a row, he caned the shit out of me, right? Just to get control of me. And on the fourth day, he says, "Right, eh? The caning will stop, and I'll leave his brother alone, right?" So you know, what choice did I have? You know, I, I was the oldest son in the family, and uh, I was there. I was supposed to looking after me him, him, and he's always been weak, my brother. Um, so yeah, I, I had to, um, I had to do things that, disgusting things in order to save my brother and I've never, well, really forgiven myself, you know. I'd always keep talking about, was there another way out, you know. Back then I, I tried to let the authorities know, you know what I mean. I ran away one night and went to the police station and no one had believed me, you know. No one would believe me and then I got cane the shit out of him for a week, right. That put me in my place and, um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a wonder really too because, you know, my school worked in you say your school went down, there, but it didn't. My school it was good and all that. And I was a really, really, I think that's what it is. I was a really good sportsman, right? And, uh, I was really, really athletic and, and this probably attracted me to the pedophile. you know what I mean? But the thing is, it's all about mind control to those buggers, you know what I mean?
0: Yes. Yes. Um, it is control. That's right. It is. It and,
1: is. uh, yeah, it's something I, I've never told anyone in my life. We didn't even tell my parents, uh, my wife, you know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, it was pretty pretty traumatic.
0: Will you tell your wife tonight?
1: Yeah, I I I, I told her last night because I was going right. I was going to talk about it today. Yeah, yeah, she's wow. She couldn't believe it.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. but perhaps, but, it, but, but um, perhaps Mick had answered some questions that she perhaps had.
1: Oh, uh, exactly. Uh, you know, sort of. Oh, there's, there's lots of things that have happened like that. But you know, I think she said, "Oh, it all." you know, sort of, I can figure everything out now, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, that's what I
1: mean. She always sort of wondered what was wrong, you know?
0: Yeah.
1: But, uh, yeah, no, it's all good. I I mean, I'll probably be a lot better. Um, You know, I'd rather be a lot better than that, you know I mean? You know, it's something, okay, I've talked about and uh, I've got it off my chest, right? And it's probably best to sort of just let it go and let me heal a little bit on it, come back to it again. But the second instance is just something that, I spoke to my um, my psychologist about in regard. I saw her in the incident where I, I went on an Australian Federal Police raid, right? And um, it's just something that, that is the one thing that I've just had a, a lot of time trying to deal with. But um, before the roll of honour, um, I was going to take a poppy, right? And I'm going to have a seashell on it, right? And the poppy's going to be inside the seashell. i will be on my pack now and I'll see the poppy. And uh, I'm going to lay his poppy on fantasy, finish it. I'm going to carry it for him, right? And hopefully that'll be closure for me, you know? That'll be the end. Oh, I want to say, like, look, mate, I've carried you for 890 kilometres my whole life. You know, like, I'm sorry what happened. And hopefully, uh, I just wish I'd been able to contact someone from their family to let them know I was doing but I wouldn't have a clue how to do that, you know? But, you know, to say that, hey, listen, we're really still thinking about him. I mean, uh, I mean, I had to go to his funeral, you know, it was just ridiculous back then. I had to go to his funeral, believe it or not. And I had to go to his funeral sort of in the country where there are lots of guns. I was expecting to get shot. I really was. I was terrified. But uh, the RSM we had at the time was an idiot. So, you know, I said, but, you know, to me, that's, you know, I spoke to her and she said, you know, she, she's the only one I told her. I haven't told anybody. You're the you're, the, you're the, um I haven't I haven't I haven't, you're the other, only other person apart from my psychologist I spoke to. I spoke, probably a lot of people out there know now, but um I I'm carrying a poppy and um as far as I'm concerned that's the end of it. Right. There's nothing more. I mean I That's right. There I is nothing that, more. I know I, I know it wasn't my fault. It's just shit happens when you're you know but, when you know, it's reflex, reflex things happen,
0: you yeah, know. But just like your brother in many ways, Mick you were, yeah. you were doing, you were doing your duty.
1: That's it, you know, um, yeah, poor brother, you know, I've had to look after my brother, i had to look after my sister, I had to get my sister, uh, sort of, uh, help in, uh, over on the East Coast, do you know what I mean? Um, where she, she was very, very religious, she joined the army, she got very religious and then she turned to drugs and prostitution and, you know, she's got a lovely young son now. I don't know how how he ended up so nice. He, he's in a very religious, and uh, so he's just he's just um, actually fond of that. He's uh, engaged now, so I'm happy for That's him fabulous. and my My sister's doing well now that she's taking medication. My Other brothers doing well. So hopefully, all the, hopefully uh, everything will uh, turn out okay.
0: Yeah, uh, it's it's remarkable. You know, just talking to you. People have said it here to me a number of times on the podcasts, Mick, that sometimes the fittest and the strongest people, and even indeed the younger people on the Camino, appear to struggle while older pilgrims show them up. And I wonder if it's because they are more at peace with their lives. And you've been yep. through such a lot, and you're carrying such a heavy load emotionally, and you, you're you're looking for peace. I know exactly. I know from my own personal experience and indeed speaking to other pilgrims over the course of the last six months that you will find it. you will find it and it will reveal itself to you. And that takes me to my next two or three questions, and that is, have you ever been a spiritual person?
1: Um, I suppose when I was younger, uh, as I said, I, I come from a religious family, Roman Catholic, but, um, family, you know, Italian Yugoslavs, you know, yeah. um, and, um, basically, you know, I had been communions and confessions and I was an altar boy and everything. So, um, I think what destroyed, uh, me was, uh, my abuse yes. at the hands of the clergy, yeah. and then because three, three days after I joined the army, my sister died of a brain tumor, oh. and she was just she was on the way to Montreal Olympics. Had never been beaten in her life. She was six foot four. Even the East Germans couldn't beat her, and uh, she died. And uh, I nearly died with her because you know me and her were just so place. So yeah, that destroyed my parents' um, uh, belief in religion. My mum, my mum's never been the same since then. And you know, her daughter Diane, you know, who uh, you know, you know, uh she, we, we come from a little place called Del you, and um we had a bloke up there who ran the ran the pool and he would see Diane swimming and he says, Oh, can you go as fast as you can down the lane anyway? She shot off down there. he's on the phone to this bloke named Don Green in Perth at Beatty Park going, Hey, listen, I've got this girl up here and she's uh she's doing these sort of numbers so Diane wouldn't go down to Perth. She just said, "No, I'm not gonna let Mum and Dad go down there." So they brought the state team up to Devonian. You know I mean, biggest event in Devonian's history the week now, <laughs> and they all jumped in and Diane as actually flogged a lot of them, <laughs> including oh. the blokes.
0: <laughs> How fantastic! So Montreal, what was that? Nineteen seventy six.
1: Six. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Nineteen
0: seventy six, yeah. and so she didn't but get she to never- go.
1: No, and she never got beaten ever in her life. Never been beaten. She uh, she was a freestyle backstroke, uh, freestyle and backstroker, yeah. Oh. And, you know, consider back then, six foot four, you didn't get really big, tall girls. Yeah. They were, not like today.
0: Before we finish, Mick, I'm intrigued by something you wrote where you said, as a 30-year-old infantryman, nothing will be camouflaged on the Camino.
1: You know what? You know, I, I made a break from the army, and my mates all keep running around in can this and green. I won't have anything green at all. Nothing green. Um, I went in there and they're trying to say, "Oh, I have this packet's got green on it." No, you know this shirt's got green. On it? No, and uh, I just no. I, I finished with the army. And some people, I think, some people think go too far, and they they sort of get out, and it's just it just think like, you've got to say goodbye to it.
0: Yeah, you're not yeah. in the army
1: anymore. Yeah, yeah. You're not in the army. And you've got to let it go. You know what I mean. You can support it and do anything like, but you know, let's let's move on. And this is what I'm trying to do with the Camino in the way. I'm trying to move on. And yeah, um, you know, I'd love to have a chat to you when I finish it and um, absolutely uh, tell you how I short sure, sure fifteen minute chat, tell you how I feel and uh, and what it did to me because um, I'm going to experience it. I'm not going to race it. I'm just going to take my time. And I'm going. I want to. I want to feel it. I want to. I want to feel the Camino experience. You know, I want to do it. And uh, uh, and I want to change. I want to be a better person. At the end of it, well, and you... I want to rediscover my rediscover my 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 faith in God. You know, I, I've decided I'm not going to walk on Sundays. I'm going to go to church all the way
0: along. Well, Mick, you will you will achieve that. Um, and can I just say that you opening up to us. Me and my listeners, as you have over the course of the last 45, 50 minutes, you have already begun your Camino, Mick. Yep. You've already started. You're on it now. And it's just been, honestly, in all my years of broadcasting, this last hour has been one of the most special discussions I've ever had and will most likely ever have. I, I just want to say thank you for opening up and congratulations for opening up and long, and long may you charge on, on your journey to free yourself of the burdens and and the weight that you've been carrying for so long, Mick, all of my listeners, I know share that view. We wish you all the very best that the, the greeting as you know, is one Camino good way. Well, Mick, absolutely. Good way, my friend. Be Thank safe, Dan. Travel well. Take it all on, and, and and enjoy every single breath and every single step of the way, because you carry all of us, our prayers, and our best hopes for you, with you.
1: Thanks very much, Dan.
0: Thank, Appreciate it. Thank you, Mick. And Mick McQueen, one Camino, my friend. One Camino. For my listeners, if that's not a good yarn, I'll give it away. <laughs> that's just been the most extraordinary interview. I'm Dan Mullins. Look, oh, God, thank you for your company. Uh, I'll be back next week. And if you... Uh, if you want to share this, this discussion, mixed story, by all means, share it, share it, share it because it's, it's one of the best stories I think I've ever heard. Until next week, Buon Camino.